It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. Third and final hour of the program today on Tuesday. And uh, just a reminder that coming up later on today... Uh, Jessica Machado is filling in for Barry Richard. Barry is uh, taking a personal day today, so Jess will be in for him, and she will be taking her calls. I'm sure. I'm sure she'll be covering uh, what happened yesterday in Nashville quite a bit because uh, that is something that she talks frequently about on her program, uh, which you can hear Saturdays from one to four, and uh, you can also hear her occasionally filling in for Grace Curley on the Grace Curley Show and for Howie Carr on the Howie Carr Show. But uh, as I mentioned in the first hour, uh, that. This issue of school safety is something that uh, is what really brought her to WBSM in the first place when she was uh, joining Barry's show, talking about it, going all the way back to uh, a couple of years ago. And it's been something that uh, has been a hallmark of her show since she, I mean, unfortunately, because there's been more, more of these incidents to have to talk about. But she has been discussing it right along, and I'm sure she will do the same today and take your phone calls uh, as well. And then if you don't get a chance to listen, remember you can always catch the podcast of all of our shows later on through the WBSM app, through WBSM.com, wherever you get your podcast from, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play. I guess iTunes is still a thing because people keep sending me like, oh, I saw your podcast on iTunes and uh, why is it labeled this one and this one? And so I guess iTunes is still a thing. I don't know. I don't I don't have it on my MacBook. It, brings me to apple podcast but hey whatever if it's still working for you don't let it go it's kind of like the same reason why i have uh i still have flappy bird on my phone which they pulled from all the app stores you can't get flappy bird anymore because it basically just stole the design from super mario brothers but so flappy bird was taken down but i had still had it downloaded and now every time i upgrade my phone i'm like okay don't you lose my flappy bird and I've actually like taken the APK for it and I've stored it away uh, on the clouds so that I have it. And I, it, it, just in case all else fails, I still have my HTC Amaze from earlier this, uh, earlier this de- well, from the last decade. I think it was uh, 2012 I had that phone maybe. And I still have that device and the charger for it. And it's solely there in case I lose Flappy Bird. I can have a device to play Flappy Bird. And I say that as if I play it all the time. But I I, um, I haven't played it in a long time, and uh, and I don't really do that well with it when I play either. I think the highest I've ever gotten was like 200 and something. Uh, and it, it, it's never really been something that I'm good at. But it's something that I need to have on my phone for when I do need it. When I was, uh, when I took my first cruise and I had no internet service on my phone at all, no cell service on my phone at all when we're out at sea. Uh, this is before I realized, just pay for the Wi-Fi package. It's worth it. But um, I was, you know, when I had needed something to do, like killing time for me, waiting to meet somebody or hanging out in my 
stateroom waiting for, uh, you know, the next activity or whatever. I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I played a lot of Flappy Bird, but I did not get any better at it. Anyway, 508-996-0500 if, uh, if you want to call in. Alan Somerset sent in an app chat message. Uh, like they say, guns don't kill. It's the person behind it. Uh, absolutely true. But at the same time, you can also limit what guns people can have access to. And, and I know that you all freak out when I say that. Oh, the, the Second Amendment. Ah! But you don't need to have all of the weaponry that you have access to. And if you're so concerned about making things safer, why not limit how many shots a person can fire when they walk into a school building to shoot it up? I, I, I don't, there's, there's a loss of logic there for me. Why wouldn't you want to limit that? You know, they call these assault weapons that the, that the suspect showed up with. And, and, you know, whatever. Whatever they want to define that as, as assault weapons. The, the fact of the matter is, you don't need a gun that can do the same things that these firearms can do. And when I bring that up, people say, well, you know, we, we have the right to bear arms in case we have to take up arms against the government. And, uh, it, it, you're already at a loss. You're already at a loss if you are going up against the government with no matter what weapons you have, they've got something better. Because ultimately, you don't have the nuclear bomb. And chances are you're probably also not going to have a tank. So you're already at a loss. So that, that excuse doesn't hold water. And I'm all for owning guns. I own one myself. I don't own one that it needs, you know, to be considered an assault weapon. I think it's a stupid term anyway because any one, any, any, any gun could cause an assault. Any weapon could assault somebody. Anything that's not a weapon could assault somebody if it's used as an assault weapon. So uh, this terminology you know, just kind of gets lost in rhetoric. But that is one way to be able to mitigate some of the damage that is done in these situations. Uh, Dan in New Bedford says, when is enough enough? I know the whole story. I'm negative as much as the day is long. Maybe McDonald's are, oh, this is going back to what we were talking about when it came to the, um, I believe the, the rental prices when I read that those stats from Lisa White, which I can share again uh, if you need me to. But when is enough enough? I know the whole story. I'm negative as much as the day is long. Maybe McDonald's and Burger King should start paying $28 an hour for flipping burgers. Maybe that'll fix our problem. Maybe they should raise my taxes again so I can pay for housing. Uh, well, listen, I don't, I don't doubt, I don't, um, I don't uh, disagree with you that there are issues here that can be addressed, such as what people are paying for taxes, what people are paying for their water bill and their sewer bill, which, by the way, you know, City Council President Linda Morad warned, warned everybody here on this program will be going up next year. So, uh, listen, those, those problems are real, and those things could be fixed, could be adjusted. There could be ways to, to, make, to, to make that less of a burden on people. But I think... I think that what Lisa's pointing out in her data that's gathered is, you know, it's, it's, it's showing what the landlords are telling us, that 
it is expensive for them to be able to run these properties. And as I said, she's somebody who doesn't charge a lot for her properties. So if she's saying that, you know, the, the you need to make $5,000 to afford to live in one of her properties and people are only making 4000 she's noting that there is an income disparity there. And the employers that she was talking about are not, you know, low-paying places. So... I mean, I wouldn't say they're extravagantly paying places, but they're also, you know, kind of middle of the road. You should be able to, you would expect that you should be able to make a livable wage working at the New Bedford Public Schools, working at Livestream, working at Amazon, even working at Duncan. It, you know, depending on how many hours you work. So it, it, it is showing that there is a disparity in what the landlords are having to pay and having to cover on their end and what the, the potential renters are making. So it, it backs up the people who are saying that rent stabilization would be a, a bad thing. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello, Tim. How are you? Good. Um, I looked at it, at the film this morning of the of the woman shooting up the school. Mm -hmm. I looked at it real carefully, and I'm a gun enthusiast. Uh, I know firearms really well. I could tell you huge stories about identifying incorrect firearms and movies and all that stuff. Um, I could, I could bore you to a, to the, to sleep in fact with that stuff. Um, I believe she was using a Caltech sub 2000, which is sold legally here in Massachusetts under our assault weapons ban, uh, because it's not considered an assault weapon by the criterion in the wording of the legislation. Uh, now, in Massachusetts, that firearm is sold with a 10-round mag cause that's because that's a part of our gun uh, ban. Mm -hmm. But that rifle is typically sold with a 12-round magazine because I'm also very familiar with the gun laws in Maine because I spend a lot of time up in Maine, and they have no restriction at all on magazine capacity. In fact, their laws are almost duplicate to Texas. I make that argument all the time. And yet they have, they're in the top, they're in the uh, top 12 safest states in the country to live in. You know, um, and and can, I just, can I just point out that, that is, it is kind of ridiculous that it's a 12-round, but we limit it to 10 rounds, so two rounds makes that much of a difference? That's right. It makes no difference at all in, in that scenario at all. Uh, that firearm is not a military duplicate of any firearm that's carried by any military in the world. Uh, Caltech is a pretty low-end company. Uh, I actually own one, and I, had, and I, I bought it. I uh, shot it a little bit, didn't like it, and then spent $400 to buy uh, all the updates and all the corrections, including a whole new uh, sear trigger kit. Uh, all the springs had to be replaced to get that firearm shooting half decently. It's not a really great gun. Caltech is a low-end gun company. Um, so I, uh, um, you know, I, they, they throw these terms around, assault-like, assault-style. It's, you know, it's crazy. You know, when, a, when an officer, when a state a Massachusetts state police officer's car was broken into and a rifle was stolen. They described it as a patrol rifle. It was an AR-15 because they, because they got 30-round uh, uh, mags along with it. Uh, and the, the media called it a patrol rifle. So when I own it, it's called an assault rifle. When they own it, it's a patrol rifle. So I'm going to now refer to all, any firearm that's black and ugly as a patrol rifle. Uh, what what, are, what does this mean? It, it, it's 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 
silly dialogue. It's what it is. And 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 also, you know, as you pointed out, the 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 laws are different from state to state. So, you know, what might be considered something that would count as an assault weapon based in Massachusetts based on Massachusetts's law might be different in 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 Tennessee. So it's it's not really it's it's a blanket term that I think is used. Um, and you gotta you gotta understand too, and this is something that I think that because I, I deal with this all the time when we have to write news stories, and we just get the information from the police department about what weapon was seized and, and an arrest, and we put that information in the story, and then next thing you know, you get all these comments underneath from gun enthusiasts that are like, "There's no, you know, they don't make a nine millimeter, or they don't do this, or they," and like all these little differences. It's like we we don't know. We're just telling you what the authorities are telling us, and I think a lot of a lot of times people are blaming the media and saying, "Well, they're calling this an assault rifle." Well, but they're telling you that because that's what the terminology that was given to them by the authorities on the scene, or the authorities and, and, handling it. But, but they're enthusiastic participants in passing on that foolishness, uh, in my view. Uh, so I, I, no, I don't, I don't let them off the hook that easily uh, because they could do their own research. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not. The end all of all and and begin all of all things firearms. Although I I did when I was watching the movie Titanic, James Cameron's Titanic, I was sitting there in the theater when it first came out with my wife at date night, and I noticed right away that the gun that was used in that movie that the guy was chasing DiCaprio around shooting at him. Remember that scene in the movie? Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I right away I said, no way is that gun going to be on. That ship in 1912, when that ship sinks, because that was an A version of that firearm that doesn't come out until 1923. And I told my wife that at dinner after the movie, and she stared at me saying, are you kidding me? You just watched a movie where 1,500 people drowned to death, and all you can see <laughs> is they got the wrong gun? I said, yeah, I do that kind of stuff. That's, well, that's, listen, that's I can I can sympathize with you because I'm like that with music. When I hear music in a scene and I'm like, that song wasn't released at the time that this movie takes place. <laughs> like, I do, I do. I tear it apart like that. So I definitely feel you on that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm big at identifying. So I, I just think it's still... You know, I, I just think it's like I said. We have we have basically in our law the 1994 assault weapons ban. They took that law and they and they passed it. And uh, Mitt Romney was the governor at the time. He signed it into law, uh, and he basically made it our state law. When that law legally sunsetted, as it was programmed to do under the original federal statute. Also, you you broadcasted this morning that someone was caught with a sawed-off shotgun mm -hmm. in your newscast. Okay, that's a violation of. Uh, the the National Firearms Act, the NFA, we call that. And that was 1934, that law was passed. And it has a suggested jail sentence of 50 years. I, I'm, I'm really curious, is any prosecutor going to gonna uh, pull that for, try to uh, uh, force that for a 50-year jail sentence for the possession of, of a sawed-off shotgun? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, we'll we'll follow up with it when you know the the uh, DA's office usually gives us all the information about when they when they go to trial. But uh, all we get now, because I wrote that story last night, all we get now is the information on what the charges are. We don't get what the um, what the prosecution's looking for for a sentence. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying because everyone says, oh, you know, we got to be all about gun violence and enforce gun laws. Well, why don't you just enforce the ones on the books? And send it to some of these people off for some serious time. Do you know if you're caught with a stolen firearm in Massachusetts, if you steal a gun from somebody, if you break in a house and steal their gun, that's an eight years suggested sentence. Mm -hmm. I'll guarantee you, you won't find anybody who ever served eight years for the possession of a stolen firearm. 
I mean, I, I would think that there's probably that, you know, the maximum on that is probably used in conjunction with somebody who has con, uh, committed a bunch of other crimes. So if it's if that's all that they did, yeah, you might have somebody who doesn't have to serve eight years. But if they're trying to nail somebody on a variety of different charges, then, yeah, they're going to be pushing for the maximum on a lot of these. So they can, they can, couldn't they catch it on and, concurrent? And keep, yeah, and keep mm-hmm. but keep in mind, too, that the maximum sent the maximum. Uh, penalties for a lot of these crimes are designed so that they can be pleaded down. It's not like you expect somebody to serve the maximum amount of the law. It's almost like, you know, we, we're going to say that it's eight years because we know we're going to compromise on six years. Okay, well, I still think, like I said, I, I just hear all these politicians always, you know, after they talk about how much ice cream they like, uh, talk about how banning this gun and that gun goes. And, and then, uh, uh, and yeah, you have all these laws. These statutes are very clear. uh, On the books, we have over 20,000 gun laws, way more than that, actually, now, on the laws. And that's that's just the federal laws. I'm not talking about state laws. And state laws are getting tougher. There's laws being passed. Washington State is going through it. Uh, Illinois is going through it. Uh, But there's a lot of – they're falling one by one. But uh, they have plenty of laws to live in a safe country. And also, you're not supposed to bring a firearm to school property. That's a federal statute, too. Yeah. Automatically, it's an automatic uh, arrest right there. So. Yep. Well, thank okay. you for the call. Thank you for the information. Thank you, pal. Have a good day. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. If you want to send in an app chat message, uh, you can do that as well. We got a couple here that came in uh, during the call. Answer seven in the cushion. It says, she showed up with three guns and one was an AR, I think. What do you need that kind of a gun with you for in public? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think this person was carrying it around in public just for the sake of carrying it. As, as, uh, as the law enforcement has told us, they discovered a manifesto at her home. They discovered maps. This was something that was pre-planned out. Maps of the school, I should say. So this is something that was pre-planned out. And, uh, you know, I heard a caller yesterday. Um, so actually, my, you know, one of my favorite callers who had called it and suggested, you know, well, just just leave everything off the first floor and have everybody educated the second floor up. Um, well, not every school is multiple levels. But uh, in this particular instance, she actually went up to the second level and was firing. So, um, you know, there's... there's um, there's a lot of stuff that went into this uh, ahead of time. A lot of pre-planning. A lot of um, a, a lot of kind of best strategy decision for it. So uh, it could have been far worse than it was. And I know you know losing six people. It's still horrible, but it it could have been far worse based on what she had had planned out. Um, so you know you you want to thank the uh, the law enforcement that got there and, and was able to to uh, take her out also jj in fairhaven says tim don't you think it's ridiculous uh, that you believe somebody flipping burgers and making coffee should be able to make a livable wage but people doing all the work to own and rent apartments should not be able to make a livable wage where is the logic um, i don't see the logic in your question oh wait no i just reread it i get it now so what you're saying is um, that if I think that the people flipping burgers and making coffee should be able to make a livable wage, but the people renting and own, you know owning and renting the apartments shouldn't be able to make a livable wage out of renting them. So you're saying that the landlord should be able to make a, a livable wage as well. I never said that I didn't. I never said that I didn't think that landlords should get what they need to get for apartments. What I said was there is no reason for people to find out that, oh, we're renewing your lease next year and your rent is double what it is now. That there needs to be some compromise there. I'm not saying that there can't be increases. Uh, There can be increases, but it should be incremental increases. It shouldn't be a a 50%, 75%, 100% increase from year to year. Just as, 
you know, you would expect that the landlord should get some, you know, have a, you would never expect them, their, their property taxes to double from one year to another. You would say, well, that's not really fair to the, to the, to the homeowner to have that happen. Right. Nor is it fair for the person who is renting it to have to go through that either. That's all that I'm pushing for. I'm just pushing for responsible landlordship. And, and I will argue that that is probably a majority of the people who own property in New Bedford. People, and I say that when I say that, I mean the people who you know, live in the city themselves, who may live in the buildings themselves, or like Lisa White, who has multiple buildings but lives in the city. Um, it's the corporations, and you heard Councilor Burgo talking about this yesterday. It's the corporations that are coming in and buying some of those properties that are the ones that are doing this, that are doubling the rents, that are pricing people out of homes they've lived in for, for years or even decades. That's what I see as the problem. So I've never said that landlords shouldn't be able to, to make what they need to make. Uh, my problem is with price gouging. And if that's happening, it's giving every other landlord a bad name and it's going to make things harder for them. Because eventually those apartments will be empty and people will say, well, I don't want to go and move to New Bedford because I heard they price gouge there. Even though those landlords, the ones who are doing it right, never did that. I mean, we've talked to multiple landlords who have called into the program and said, I would never do that. I would, you know, I feel, I feel bad when I have to raise the rent, but I, I try to do it responsibly and I try to have communication with it. And those are the people that are doing it the right way. Nobody expects that rent won't go up. Nobody expects that, you know, rent won't increase over time, but you want it to be equal to as salaries increase. You want it to be equal, hopefully, as, you know, that um, the people who are, living in those places can still afford to pay that rent while still afford to living their lives. And again, I may be a little bit different than other people because I've had my issues with homelessness and all of that. So for me, the rent is the first thing that gets paid every month. I don't know how people can do that thing where they're like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pay you on the 15th and then they still haven't paid them. And I'll pay you double next month and they still haven't paid them. Like, I don't know how you could do that. I would live in fear every day. And I know there's a long eviction process, but I would just live in fear every day that I'd come home to a lock on my door that I couldn't go back into. Because I, it, to me, it's, it's the number one responsibility I have for myself as, a, as an adult to provide shelter for myself and I guess my dog and have a roof over my head. So that comes before anything else. And I will eat ramen noodles for 30 days if I have to to make sure that that rent is paid. If, if, if I have to start an OnlyFans, I'm going to make sure that rent gets paid. By the way, my OnlyFans would literally be OnlyFans. It would just be photos of electric fans, box fans, pedestal fans, maybe some of those Japanese hand fans, you know. But I think, I think there's a good market there for that. I think people would pay for that. 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. Back in a few. Uh, by the way, in the uh, breaking news category, uh, I just got the alert on my phone. Uh, Flavor Flav finally got his wish and met Taylor Swift. So there you go. For everybody that was rooting for Flavor Flav to get a chance to meet Taylor Swift, he, he finally did it. He's a, he's a huge Swifty, apparently, and uh, and he was able to meet her at a, at a 
at an iHeart show, and they took a selfie together. So the everything is right with the world now, right? 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Hello, how you doing? Good, how are you? Okay, uh, three things. One, I don't know if you know, but Sunrise Bakery was sold out, and they closed it. Well, the new one is taking over in June. Yeah, Gazelle is uh, actually working on a story about that right now as we speak. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> another thing is I agree with you about the rent and stuff like that. The first thing I do is I put money aside for dog food and cat food because they didn't ask to come live with me. I went and got them. Mm -hmm. Well, matter of fact, I inherited them when people died. But anyway, then I pay, my, of course, my mortgage. I own a house. And then... I pay gas for the car to get back and forth to work, and then, because if I have to, I'll take a bus back and forth to work, and then I buy food. And if I don't have enough for food, then I eat what's in the ramen noodles or whatever I got, soup or whatever, but uh, that's the first thing I pay. And then it's the gas and electric. So those, those come last on your list? Yeah, gas, well, yeah, because you can always uh, just send them a little bit. They won't shut you off. I mean, I, I can tell you I've lived without, without uh, electricity before for the better part of a month because I couldn't afford to get it turned back on. And it's, it's rough. It's rough doing it. And you, you realize, like, especially, you know, if it's also your source of heat, too. But it's, I'd, I'd rather do that than lose the roof over my head altogether. All yeah, you got that right. I mean, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I have a <clears throat> heater in the main part of the house. And whoever bought this house before me or owned this house before me, and a big den, and there's another heater there with a fireplace. And if I can't, you know, I keep my house at 60, 62. Of course, I was a truck driver. I used to sit in the cold when I was in the Marine Corps. I used to drive trucks. There were no heats in those trucks. So I'm used to the cold weather. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> and I light the fireplace in the fireplace. Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. a fire in the fireplace. It worked for hundreds of years before, right? It'll still work now. That's right. So, but anyway, uh, that's my thing. Is uh, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I during the pandemic, I went out with uh, my niece and uh, my nephew, and there were people in there. They got this uh, stimulus package and stuff, mm -hmm. and they're buying stuff and this and that and the other thing. And my cousin said to me, or my niece said to me, she says, you know, Stephen, she says, I put my, I'm putting my money away in case. I lose my job and I can't afford to pay my rent. Then I've got money put away that I can afford to pay my rent. It gives me a cushion to go back and look for a job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. All right. But well, anyway, I hope you have a great day. Love your show. You as well. Thank you. You have a good day. And uh, talk to you soon. Take it easy. 508-996-0500. And yeah, I mean, I was fortunate to, to work all through the pandemic. Um, we just moved to remote. But at the time, I was the digital managing editor, so I was responsible for, you know, editing the articles at the time. There was a, a time during that period where we didn't have a news reporter, uh, so I was actually doing that as well, uh, doing all that from home, you know, doing the, the, the news anchoring from home. So it, it really was, you know, very fortunate. I, I really was very fortunate to be able to stay working. And that was also because of all of you, because all of you kept going out there, and even though you were limited in what you could do, 
You were supporting our clients. You were supporting our advertisers and helping them stay open and helping them be able to afford to buy the advertising on the station to help keep us all working. And you were reading our articles and clicking on things and all kinds of stuff that helped us stay in business. So we appreciate that so much. But yeah, we were fortunate in that regard that I actually had more work to do uh, during the pandemic. And so I was able to bring in my regular paycheck, but at the same time, you know, there was also less stuff that I was spending money on. So less money on gas. Uh, and you know, what I did at the time is I spent, I used some of the money that I was saving to say, okay, now when I go to the grocery store, instead of buying a bunch of pasta and living off pasta for three, three days a week, uh, I'm going to get some healthier foods. And I tried to do that and, 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 it, you know, it didn't last mainly because once I get back into the office and I'm busy all the time, it's hard to, to find the time to make dinner for yourself. And then you're just reheating whatever's left over and all that stuff. But I tried to focus on all of that. So when the stimulus money came out, I didn't really have a bunch of, I didn't have fear of losing my job. And I didn't have a whole bunch that I was in the hole for either. So I was able to take that and kind of just put it and hold on to it and, and save it. Um, and then, you know, but I've seen other people who went out and utilized it for, because the idea behind it was that they did want you to help stimulate the economy. So they, they didn't want you to save it. They wanted you to spend it. And um, I saw a lot of people who said, you know what, I'm going to take this because I've spent so much time at home and I, there's things that I want to change now and I'm going to use it to upgrade my home. And there are people who did that, people who built a deck or people who, you know, re put in new windows. Maybe they called precision window and kitchen and got new, new windows put in, you know? So there was a lot of people that were utilizing that to, to, to better their lives in that regard. But man, I wouldn't want to have to go through what we went through again, just to get another, you know, a couple of $600 checks. That, that was a horrifying time. And going back to what the, what the uh, caller was saying about, you know, planning how you spend your money every month. You know, as I said, rent is first and foremost for me. I don't worry so much about feeding my dog because my dog likes the really cheap food. I try to buy her the better stuff. Like when, when we got her, we had all the intentions of feeding her, you know, the high-end stuff from the, from, the, uh, from the pet store and all that. She just wouldn't eat it. Some of it made her throw up, but most of it she would just turn her nose up and not eat it. The only thing that I found that works for her that she likes is kibbles and bits, the cheapest dog food out there. Like, she loves it. She won't eat wet food to begin with, so she wants the dry, crunchy food, and she loves, she'll eat She'll eat the equivalent of wet food if it's human food, but not if it's dog food. Uh, you know, if I, like, put down, like, some egg foo young, <laughs> she's going to eat that. But she likes the cheap, dry dog food, so I've been fortunate in that regard. And, you know, I just mix in, give her some eggs now and then to help with her coat and things like that. So she, you know, she, she gets a pretty good diet. But generally, I know that I can feed the dog on 20 bucks for the month if I have to. So I don't worry about her. Um, and, I, you know, I've gotten really creative as I've been to the end of the paycheck from time to time. I've gotten really creative in being able to eat. But the sad part is that creativity and in, in, in trying to eat on a short budget, unfortunately, gets you into the you know drive through line for the for the buy one, get one on the app or takes you into the supermarket to buy, you know, pasta. And then you're eating that four nights a week. So it's not the healthiest thing in the world, um, but it, it can be done. But I feel bad for people that have to do that. You know, I feel bad for people that can't have fresh vegetables as part of their dinner. 
you know, like we were able to get spaghetti and meatballs together, uh, but you're not going to have a vegetable this week. Like, I don't, I, I don't know why people have to live that way. And that's, that's, you know, if you read Barry's article from yesterday, he talked about when before they had food stamps, the needy would get, I'm sorry, I think you'll, you'll read it tomorrow. I believe it's going to run tomorrow. Um, I edited it, but I don't think it's been published yet. But he talks about how the food stamps didn't exist when he was a kid, that you would get government surplus food. I got that when I was a kid. I remember getting that when I was, you know, spots of time when we needed help, where you would get the big can of powdered eggs and the big can of powdered cheese and uh, the big silver can of peanut butter with no no label on it. Like, I remember getting stuff like that. And And to be honest with you, those eggs, to this day, are still some of the best eggs I've ever had. I don't like eggs. Like, I eat them, but I don't really, like, get overly excited about them. I shouldn't say I don't like them. I like them. But, like, I don't, I don't, to me, you have to do something with the eggs. Just eggs alone don't excite me. You have to, like, make an omelet or, you know, have a, have a protein with it or something like that. Throw some cheese on it. Make a sandwich out of it. But those, those powdered eggs, and then you mix in the powdered cheese, it's good stuff. Anyway, 508-996-0500. We'll take our break. We'll be back in a few moments. Room for you on the phone and on app chat on the WBSM app. Welcome back in, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in, app chat, if you want to chime in. Uh, very quickly, Not Bad in Oak Bluff says, Tim, I too love the powdered eggs. Yeah, powdered eggs are good. And by the way, just a little bit of a cooking tip. If you're going to use powdered eggs or if you're going to use some of those like eggs in the bag, you know what I mean? It's like liquid eggs uh, or maybe you get it in a carton, whatever it is, mix in a little orange juice with it. That's something Biffy taught me at the diner. And when you're mixing that up, just drop a, a little bit, maybe like a tablespoon of orange juice into it and that will help fluff it up and, and, and give it a bit of a nicer flavor. I know it sounds weird, but it uh, it works. It's really good. 508-996-0500. You are next on WBSM. Hi. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Catherine. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Doing all right. What's on your mind today? Good. Uh, well, just a comment about eggs, and then I'll get to my other point. Um, I've never had powdered eggs, so I can't say what I think about them. Um, but it was interesting what you said, mixing with uh, OJ. Uh, um my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, had uh, hens years ago, and uh, I used to uh, be sent out there to to collect the eggs, and they were always pecking at me, and they, <laughs> they made me nervous. But I'll tell you, those were the best eggs ever when they're fresh. Oh There's yeah, nothing like them. Absolutely. Nothing. Oh, so um, okay. About my other point, um, wishing you well at your. Uh, meeting tonight with uh, you and any other people who have been called from the media, not you in, individually, but... Um, well, by, I'll, I'll uh, be there. But Oh, yes, good. Uh, Councillor Gomes. Um, 
I, I just, it, unless I missed something, there, that looks to be the only item on the agenda for tonight. Uh, and I... I'm going to go uh, if if I can make it there uh, and uh, to be supportive of the media because we need you, um, but also um, because I want to just hear what it is he has to ask questions about. He seems to, he and others on the city council complain when the media is there, uh, and now he seems to be complaining when the media is not there so it'll be interesting and i uh, thank you in advance for for attending well thank you i, I think i'm hoping that it's going to be a discussion about you know what what why don't we see reporters at every meeting and you know why isn't this happening and then we can kind of you know voice our concerns and say well you know we don't have the manpower obviously you know budgetary issues come into play but also maybe it's time that you start working a little bit harder toward getting live streams of these meetings so that you know we can watch them we, we can't be there but maybe we can watch them and and be able to talk about them and cover them and react to them obviously it's never great to be you know covering something remotely but that might be at least some way that we can have more conversations about what's going on in these meetings it would be better and if um and I, I know this has been an issue brought up before and discussed a little bit have the agendas come out more than two days before on the part of the city council so that uh the media and and just citizens can uh know ahead of time not two days before what's going to be discussed so that if we're interested we can go or prepare for for questions whatever uh, yeah, two just, days is nothing. I mean, just agenda. a little little behind-the-scenes info. You know, Adam Bass doesn't just work for us. Um, so we, when, you know, we're trying to set up what we want him to cover, it's hard because he keeps it open on his schedule, and then we get the agenda and we say, well, there's really nothing on there for you to cover. You know, yeah. like there's there's nothing. And we've got to, you know, we've got to be judicious in how we use those hours. Would I love to have him at every meeting? Absolutely. I'd love to have somebody yeah. at every committee meeting too, but it's just not the reality of the situation. No. And there's no reason that agendas can't be put out earlier. There are, you know, loads and loads of different organizations put their agendas out more than two days before. That's a, that's not necessary. You, you know what I'm I most think, you know what I'm most interested in tonight, Catherine, is what other outlets send representatives tonight. Yes, it'll be interesting. That's you yeah. know how many of them are taking this this request seriously, or even even if they are, do they have the manpower to send somebody there and represent them? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and anybody who's listening, and if any if anybody can go uh, to this meeting and, and uh, other city council meetings, uh, if you care about the city, it's important to go. So, I thanks. Thank you, Tim. All right, I'll see you tonight. Okay. Bye. And uh, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. But, yeah, that meeting is tonight. It is the Committee on Appointments and Briefings. I, I'm guessing it's it was not a scheduled meeting. I'm guessing it's a special meeting because they pushed this off the agenda last week. That's why it's the only item, um, which is oh, okay with me because I want to get right into it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have to sit there while they're doing all the appointments and everything else that they have to do to get into the meat of the discussion. And you know, not that I don't enjoy watching the council do its work, but let's get right into the meat of the discussion. And of course, we'll we'll call into South Coast tonight with uh, some updates after it, and uh, and let them know how it goes. I got to take my final break, caller. Hang on. When we come back, we will get to you. But I have to take the break. Uh, when we come back, if you do want to try to squeeze in before we are out of time, 
508-996-0500. We'll be back in a few moments. And let's go right back to the phone. But just quickly, a reminder that uh, coming up after Bill O'Reilly in just a few moments, it'll be Jessica Machado filling in for Barry Richard today. So she'll be taking your phone calls and your thoughts at 508-996-0500 and on AppChat on the WBSM app. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you, Gilly? Good. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I want to thank Catherine for mentioning there was a meeting tonight. Yeah, I think it wasn't originally scheduled, but I think they, they created it because they had pushed this item off the agenda last week. Yeah, I know, because of what you call it was. But let me get back to that. Um, I just want to bring something up about Brian Gomes and the mayor. Uh, Friday, they had the raising of the Greek flag down in the city hall. Mm-hmm. Greek independence, which was uh, Saturday. Yep. And Phil, matter of fact, your boy Phil there was a guy that introduced everybody, you know, for the church. And, well, he introduced the mayor. The mayor went up there and done a good speech. And then he introduced later, you know, in a, in a, he introduced Brian Gomes. He was the only city councilor there. I guess representing the city council. You know, like they talk about they don't, uh, they get along with the mayor and all this. Well, Brian goes up there. He made a, he made a nice speech. He did, wasn't one, me, 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 me. It was a nice little speech that he made. He hugged Phil, okay? He hugged Phil. Then he turns and shakes the priest's hand. The mayor was standing right next to the priest. He didn't shake the mayor's hand. And then he bypassed the mayor, and he shook every person that was, they were on the stairs. There's like seven steps on the stairs. There's a railing. People were leaning on the railing. Mm-hmm. He walked down in front of everybody, shook everybody's hand except the mayor. I mean, that's very disrespectful in the first place. And that's all I hear from Linda Morrid. We get along. Brian Gong, we get along. That's, that's, that is not a person that's a politician. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think that people can't work together just because they don't shake hands. Well, it's not the point. I mean, it's the thing. Why did you shake everybody's head and, 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 uh, uh, hug Phil? Even I talked to Phil left and I don't want to repeat what he said, but it wasn't very, but like I said, he made a good speech, but then he skipped the mid. The bottom line is it's time for the people out there to realize you have to get rid of the two dinosaurs on that city council. That's Linda Morad and Brian Gomes. Because they're not for the city. They're for themselves. That's all I got to say. But All right. Well, thank I'll you for the call. Hello right. to me. I'll see you there. 7 o'clock, right? 7 o'clock, yep. Thank you. All right. Now, anybody else that wants to attend that meeting, yeah, 7 p.m. tonight in the council chambers at City Hall in New Bedford. Uh, I I know that I'll be there. I believe Michael Rock is well, Michael Rock is definitely going to be there. Uh, Phil Devitt, our digital managing editor, was going to attend. Um, Kate Robinson, if she can stay awake, because that's usually the time she goes to bed to get up early and to bring you all the news in the morning. Uh, I know she was planning on attending there. I don't know who else is attending. You know, Jack Splane said he did not plan on attending. He did not know if anybody from New Bedford Light was going to be attending. Uh, they did directly, in in uh, Councillor Gomes' motion, he did directly invite uh, Barbara Rossner and Stephen Taylor from New Bedford Light there. They're the only people who are individually named um, in the motion, so I'm sure that they'll probably be there. I don't know that the South, uh, Standard Times slash South Coast today will send anybody or any of the... Um, the TV stations, uh, both Boston and Providence. But it'll be interesting interesting to see what it is um, 
that the council is concerned with and uh, and and how much they understand what this business is all about these days because unfortunately it's about trying to do a lot with little and uh, we we need we just need more people to get into this business that's what we need we need more young people who are willing to come out and start covering local politics and it's just it's a it's a hard fight. That's why we're so lucky to have somebody like Adam Bass who loves this stuff. And I'm not kidding. All right, that'll do it for me for today. Stay tuned, Bill O'Reilly, and then Jessica Machado filling in for Barry. Enjoy every sandwich.